And I'm recording. Hey, welcome to Already Canceled with Finn. It's me, Finn, your boy. Um, some days your boy, same day that bitch, some days what's good, homie? You know, I'm always down to be a homie. Um, and this week I am canceled because aside from work and going to the bodega or the grocery store, the supermarket, um, I've left the house. I have not left the house all week. Um, I think it's also a lot to do with my, my depression, my anxiety, but, like, at the same time, I'm also doing what I need to do to cope with it and deal with it in a, in a manner that works best for me. Um, so it's very weird. This week's episode is not gonna be long, it's just gonna be me. Um, which is why it's not going to be long, because I'm not subjecting you people to a long episode of just me alone. <laughs> but I did kind of want to talk about this in, while well, like, in the midst of it, because I feel like it's so important for me to discuss. Um, right now, like I said before, I am definitely, you know, deep down in the throes of my depression, my anxiety, mostly my depression. Like, let's be real, my anxiety is not, like, all over the place. I have not started scrambling to clean the house yet, so I know that that's not what's happening. The house is clean, though, so don't worry, Mom, I'm not that deep yet. However, I did want to talk about, like, you know, my depression, because I feel like we all experience our depression in a different manner. I'm not saying everyone is depressed. I know that some people go through, um, manic episodes, I know that some people, I definitely go through manic episodes, oh my god, um, I know that some people are just going through the motions sometimes, um, and I know some people don't have that mental illness or emotional illness, you know, um, and, like, I be looking at them like, damn, y'all my dog in life and y'all happy as shit, like, fuck you, my nigga, like, fuck you, I'm proud of you, I'm happy for you, I am happy for you, but, like, fuck out of here, bitch, I need you to go stand on the other side of the room so I can just look at you, so I can look at just a well-adjusted human being in just that facet, um, sorry, also, if you hear any noises, plane flying, helicopters, sirens, um, I feel like there's, I, I, it's the sounds of the city, you know, um, I live in New York. Sounds of the city is summertime. I'm waiting for fireworks and uh, and gunshots to be interchangeable. I'm waiting for, you know, waiting to be hearing somebody, baby mama, yelling at her ex-boyfriend, okay? Because her baby daddy is over here trying to fight the ex-boyfriend. Like, I'm, I'm here for all the drama, all the mess. New York City windows are open until it's above 90 degrees. But... <laughs> I ain't shit. I'm laughing at myself. I ain't shit. This is my internal monologue. Good luck, you people. But, um, I did feel like one thing is I'm glad that, like, this, this depressive episode that's happening, and that's my terminology for me, alright? Um, this depressive episode is actually a good thing. Um, this winter was very, like, depressive, I think, for a lot of people. I mean, like, we were just, we were still dealing with the the, the panorama. Um, we were all still stuck inside. And if you lived in New York, it was just gloomy. It was just so gloomy. Oh, my God. And then it also, like, 
at least my neighbors know when I'm in a manic episode because I blast a shit ton of Darius Walker. Um, I understand a lot of people hate country music. I get that. But, but Darius Walker has seen me through life, okay? Like, Darius Walker, from all the way back in the beginning, through Hootie to now, from leaving Charleston to going to Cali, you know what I mean? Like, Darius Walker has always been there for me. And the same thing with the Plain White Tees, which is when I explored them, like, when I first found out about them, I'm going to say this about the Plain White Tees, and I hate all of my friends who do this, and my younger cousin, um, because he will do this after he hears this, because he ain't shit. Um, I hate Hey There Delilah. I hate Hey There Delilah with a fiery passion. No, there's not going to be a time when I tell you people this story at any point in this episode. You don't need to know that. But just know that I hate Hey There Delilah. And I don't ever, ever, ever want to hear it. And when I do, I want to look at whatever dumbass, like, 22-year-old frat boy who's trying to win over the girl sitting at the bar talking about, Hey there, Delilah, fuck you, okay? Your romance is not built on that song. And if it is, be better, okay? They have a whole, they have a whole catalog of amazing love songs, all right? Bonnie, I want you in an example. That was very personal. Um, just don't play Hey There, Delilah near me. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. So, like, I blast the Plain White Tees. I blast Darius Ruckers. My neighbors know this. Um, and they can tell that I'm, like, going through a manic episode at that point. <laughs> because, like, those are the only two artists that I'm playing on repeat and repeat and repeat. And then I go to a different playlist, and that playlist is various and has a lot of Darius Rucker and Plain White Tees. And then the records, because, again, country. But it's like we all go through these manic episodes. Like it's like whenever I go through these manic episodes, I know that I need to disconnect, not just from, uh, not just from the world. You know what I mean? Not just, not just like oh, I can't, I can't talk to anyone on the phone. I don't want to see anyone in person. I don't want to go anywhere in the city. I don't want to leave my house. Right? And then there are moments when, like, I'm also looking at it as, oh, I can go outside. I can do this, this, and this. And I can be around these people. But, like, that has to be done in moderation. And don't get me wrong. I'm a party kid. I'm a party-hardy kind of gal. But I've realized that, like, I need... To be able to have my moments of isolation in order for me to succeed within socialization. Because if I'm constantly around people, if I'm constantly talking on the phone, I'm not happy. Like, I can't do it all the time. And I, and, and like, I know that there are some people who have the gift of gab and their entire job is them interacting with other people. And I look at them in amazement. An amazement because like they are great at what they do and they even probably go through depressive episodes and have to be alone and can't deal with anyone at that moment in time for a certain amount of time and I completely get it um however 
thankfully my job does not rely on me doing that 24-7. Um, that's number one. I imagine me doing that 40 days a week, constantly talking to people, being in front of people, being in, like, all of that. I would, I would cry. I would have a conniption. Ooh. But it's also, like, I have to be alone. Because if I'm not alone, what the fuck? Like, I... I used to have such serious abandonment issues, and it's so funny, because, like, I was talking to my therapist about this, which is why I'm doing this episode, because my therapist said, well, why don't you just put it on paper, and I said, bitch, I don't need to put shit on paper, because I'm, I'm still in a writing blockade, I can't write for shit right now, okay, like, I have tried everything, why did block happen to me, Every it happened to a bunch of us, at least, you know, at least once in a while, you know, it's not like, I don't expect anyone to be able to write everything all at, like, right after another, right after another, right after another, you know, like, we can't keep writing books, we can't keep writing essays, we can't keep writing short stories or poems or whatever. So, I said, let me just do it in this format, let me record it and put it in a podcast. Wow. I'm talking fast. <laughs> um, but I decided to just put it in this format because... Like, I was talking to my therapist the other day, and I, and I realized that, like, when I was younger, I had such serious abandonment issues. Like, I could not be alone at all. You could not put me alone. It was very bad. It was so bad that it led me to attempt twice. And then, so, like, the concept of being alone was not cute for me at that time. But somewhere between age... I want to say 18 and 24, you know, my growing up years, the growing pain time, um, between 18 and 24, it switched, and it was like, I need to be alone, I cannot constantly be around people, because I'm going to freak out, I go into berserker mode, I have these, I go into a shutdown, right, like, I cannot constantly be around people anymore, I cannot constantly always talk to people, and... I mean, I feel like that's a good thing, because it, it made me not need to rely on people or not need to be codependent and dependent on others, um, or with others. It's also taught me that I can, um, I can do on my own. You know, like, one thing that I would take pride in was my grandparents kicking me out when they did, right? Because when my grandparents kicked me out, I found a way to survive. And then when my grandpa kicked me out, again, <laughs> this one was deeper because the rest of my family was living in Carolina at the time and all my family who lived in New York was not necessarily right around me and I couldn't just run to their houses. So I had to learn how to take care of myself as an adult. And as an adult, it was, I mean, I say as an adult because, like, my my frontal lobes have, like, I was, my brain had fully developed. Because, like, before your brain fully developed, while you might be legally an adult, you're not really an adult. Like, don't get me wrong, those are the best years to be drinking and smoking, okay? Do everything you can in those years. I'm serious, because I cannot pop lock it and drop it in nobody's club anymore. Not not with these knees. I don't know what Meg the Stallion doing, but I can't do it with these knees. But it is also the fact of the matter is, like, 
I now realize like all the shit that I had as a kid and as a young adult. I realize how much more important everything is to me that um, that matters. Meaning my family, my friendships, how much I love them, how much I care about them. I can't keep always putting them first. Um, I have to matter for me. I have to love me because, like, I can't be there for them if I'm not well. That's number one, right? But that also made me think of, well, do I need to be somebody, you know, do I always need to be taking care of people? And the answer is no. I don't always need to be taking care of people. That's not my, that's not my prerogative. If I was meant to be taking care of people, I'd be, I'd be lining up to the, and jumping to, to the concept of, you know, having a family. Like, I don't want kids. And I'm okay with that. Like, and so, I think that, like, if I had always wanted to take care of somebody, if I always wanted to be there for someone, I would have kids. Like, no, I don't want to do that. And, like, not for nothing, my mama going to a retirement home, okay? The second I get the enough money, she's going to a retirement home. I love her. Some of y'all have heard her voice. I love my mama. But she's going to a retirement home, okay? Um, community, even, all right? If I have that kind of money. But she ain't, I ain't taking care of her in her, in her, in her sunsetting years, right? And, and my aunt, my mama's sister knows I love her. She got two kids. One of them's going to be rich. I don't know which one. But one of them's going to be rich, and they will be able to take care of her. I will just be over there supporting and loving and visiting, okay? All right? And then giving her all the messy gossip, because that's what I do. That, that's our relationship. But it's, it's, one, it's a great thing where I no longer need to always be near people and I love that I don't need to always need be need to be near people but one thing I don't necessarily enjoy is that I can't figure out the switch you know it's like one of those things of like every everything that leads to my depression and anxiety and my manic episodes at some point along the way, I can find a switch. Something that triggered me. Something that turned me on that said, hey, we're not good right now. We need to take a break. And I feel it was as though at some point, realizing that, like, I can't do it. I can't always be accessible. And I don't know when that switch happened, but I also feel like it's a good thing. Because, like, number one, if it's 2 a.m., I'm asleep. During the week, yeah, I'm asleep. So, like, don't be calling me at 2 a.m. talking about, oh, it's an emergency, it's a 911. First of all, either call an ambulance or an Uber if you can't afford an ambulance, okay? Because if I live more than five minutes away from you, I can't get to you that fast. So, what the fuck am I going to do in an emergency? And, baby... I'm not, I'm not a CPR kind of gal, you know, I don't know CPR, I need to take some classes, that'd be great, I need to do that, but still, what if it's beyond CPR, who got shot, what if somebody got shot, why are you calling me if you got shot, that's the one of the moments where I need you to make a citizen's arrest, call the pink berets, alright, you know, do something, but don't, 
come to me with, oh, he got shy. I need your help. No, no, no. I don't look good in the court of law. I don't, I don't look good in the court of law. Okay. I look good in the freedom. So don't, don't ask me for no, for no help with that. But I think that's also something that lead to depression as well is that at one point in my life, we've all seen that meme that like, oh, you know, raise your hand if you feel like a secondary character in someone's video game or movie. And we've all had those moments. And that did lead me into my depression at times because I would be upset. I would be sad um, with the concept of not being that person that someone reached out to in their time of need. Um, or not being able to be a person who you come to with exciting news, you know, right after you tell your, your parents or your partner. And I, I assessed that one day, and I said, you know, that's fine. I mean, there are going to be plenty of niggas who are jumping into my phone the minute, you know, they they have a baby or they find out they're pregnant or the the minute their partner um, proposes or the minute their partner breaks up with them. Um, I am always, always down for a good breakup and rocky road moment. Look, I might not want you to always call me, but when it comes down to breakups with rocky road ice cream and bad rom-coms from 2001 to 2004, specifically that era, because they were just terrible. They were just so droll and made you want to cry either from the movie or just because you wasted time on this movie. Um, and I'm there for that, you know? But there will always be people who can turn to me, who who will turn to me first because, you know, they feel that closeness with me. And there are people that I know I can go to for those moments as well. And I feel like that is the balance that I needed to realize inside of my own head. It's odd because, like, I mean, while that's not, like, one of the only triggers of my depression and my anxiety, it's odd that I know it, but... It's only odd that I know it because, like, you know, in the perfect world, we would say, well, if you know what that is, why don't you just fix it? And, like, speaking as someone whose grandparents put them in therapy at eight years old to, quote-unquote, fix them, therapy is not just, like, a jumping giant, like, you don't just jump head into therapy thinking you're going to get fixed. It doesn't work that way. First of all... Things take time, and it's not about fixing, it's about coping and moving forward, you know? Like, in a perfect world, yes, if I saw what triggered my a manic episode, I would, I would combat it. But the reality is, like, okay, it's happening, I know what's going on, thank goodness I know what's going on, how do I move forward? How do I deal with this? I'm going to be real. I knew my grandfather was going to die. My great-grandfather. Because a lot of y'all don't know the difference. <laughs> I knew my no-no was going to die. We had all known it. The first time that I got the phone call saying, he's dying. First of all, I was 400 miles away. Okay. 
And so, like, it's not like I could, like, be right there to hug him and kiss him and tell him I love him. And, you know, I mean, I would love for him to cuss me out one more time and while handing me a beer because it's beautiful being cussed out while getting a beer at the same time. It's gorgeous. But, like, the all I could do was cry, right? Okay, cool. I cried. I spent hours crying. I've looked at thousands of photos. Like, it was a whole mood, all right? I was that bitch in every Lifetime movie. But when he actually died, over half a year later, okay? It took it took a long time for this nigga to die. That's a good... That, I'm telling you, that man was stubborn. <laughs> he knew he was dying, but he's like, I'm going to make them suffer. And I appreciate that about him. That's how petty I want to be when I get old. But, like, I knew he was going to die. And then so when I got the call that he died, yes, it was sad. It was disturbingly sad. Um, but not for the reason you would think. Because I was prepared for that, right? I was prepared for death. But what I was not prepared for was the fact that my birthday was two days after that. Like, what, bitch? What the fuck you talking? And then, I didn't expect to have to deal with grief um, when it's that personal. Because we all know that there are the five stages of grief. We all know that we're going to go through them. We all know that blah, blah, blah. All that good shit. But no one tells us about, like, the grief after the five stages, like, how grief is always going to be there. And don't get me wrong. I'm not one of them bitches who's going to be like, don't play that song because it reminds me of this, this, and this. Bitch, you are in Walmart. You're going to hear the song that they are playing. You want to walk out of Walmart? All right? Or, God forbid, you walked into this club, paid $25 to get in. You bought two drinks at $25 a piece as well. You spent $75 fucking dollars. You're going to leave because they played Mariah Carey? She got a whole a whole catalog of love songs, bitch. And breakup songs. She that bitch. So, like, what the fuck? You just go, like, no. I'm not that, I'm not that level of grief, all right? The level of grief I am is like, and we're all there if we've lost someone extremely close to us and extremely important to us, was like, is actually, like, you know, every once in a while I think about them, I get a little bit sad, you know, I kind of miss them. And then every once in a while I think about him, I start to laugh. Or I find myself saying things that he would say. Or I find myself reading something that reminds me of him. Or... Or I look at the pictures in my, you know, in my living room that are of him and me. And, yeah, like, I miss my grandpa. I miss my nono. But that's a level of grief that I wasn't prepared for. So every once in a while, it would hit my depression. It would hit me and fill me in a depressive state. It's funny because when he, when he first died, it didn't hit me like that. And then every once in a while, it would, right? And then so, like, that's what depression does, and that's what grief does, and then, God forbid, I just want to say, maybe I'm just going to go off on a family tangent here for a minute, but, like, I love my family, I love them dearly, they are the cause of most of my depression and anxiety, we all know this, thank you, mother, uh, <laughs> oh, God, I might have to edit that out, but, I love my family, I do, 
but I don't need them to question why I don't answer the phone. The greatest person to understand me not answering the phone is my grandpa. The man lives in the middle of nowhere. And we've all been there. All of our, like our family had been there and been traumatized. He understands, like, he's like, look, bitch, I'm off the grid. I don't want to hear from y'all. I got a landline. My cell phone barely works out here. If you really wanted to call me, cool. I might not answer, and I might not call you back for three days. And don't leave a voicemail, because I'm not going to listen. And I'll be like, yo, that's the life. Because when I'm in a depressive state, that is me. And then he understands, like, look, you don't have to answer every call from your mother. You really don't. You're an adult. You have your own life. You have your own bills to pay. Don't always answer your mother's call. But he also understands, hey, you know, just communicate when you're feeling better. Hey, you know, I wasn't doing well. Sorry I dropped off for a little bit. If there's family who loves you and respects you, they'll, they'll listen to you and try to understand. And that's the key because, like, even when you're depressed, even when you're in a manic state, in, you know, you can't, you're incapacitated because your brain is fucked, you know, for lack of a better term, like, fucked. You need to take time to just do you. And I needed to do that. I need to do that whenever I'm going through a manic state. And, like, I feel that's important. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am, again, one of the most hyperactive bitches I know. I am one of the most hyperactive bitches I know. I will start bouncing off walls. I've literally done it before. I will start singing. I will turn it into a musical moment and start singing and dancing in the middle of Fifth Avenue. Or I just walking down the street, just ready to go. I'm there in the middle of the block. Let's just, let's do this, alright? Like... My friends know this about me. My friends in Raleigh have experienced and lived the musical life with me. <laughs> I can't sing for shit, by the way. At all. Unless it's in a country accent. But, it's one of those things where it's like, bitch. I also need to communicate, hey, I'm not feeling that mood. And you know, it happens to all of us. You know, it's like, it's crazy because... I was telling some of my friends before, my depression and my anxiety prepared me for 2020. Like, I was prepared for the fucking quarantine. I was prepared for having to deal with straight up no human contact. I was prepared for living a life of texting and video chatting and, you know... I was even prepared to learn how to cook better than I already did. Because, you know, I used to only do, like, old school family recipes that were just really fast shit that I didn't, that, like, apparently everybody had. Like, it was just a simple shit. Um, also, did not know, did not know until I was 25 years of age on Beyonce's Earth that Franks and Beans were a struggle meal. No one ever told me that growing up because I had it and I loved it, okay? Didn't feel like a struggle to me. Did not, did not, did not. Um, so thank you, people, for letting me know that. I don't know where I stand with it. It's just very interesting to know, okay? Um, 
But it was like I was prepared for 2020 emotionally, like dead ass. Like, I mean, I'm not I wasn't one of the people who's ready to go into like a bunker and all that shit and, you know, believe that the world was ending and we were going to like either the purge or or like or zombie land. Although I would not have minded a zombie land. Like if I'm if I'm a zombie, I'm be real. If I'm a zombie and any of my friends, friends only. Um, that I trust. You'll know, I'll name you, I'll give you, like, a pin or a badge or, like, something that say who you are. Uh, very specific people. Yeah, if I'm a zombie, you are, you have full, you have full reign to just shoot me. Double tap. Double tap. Any point in time. But I was ready for that. I was ready for, like, you know, just staying home. I wasn't ready for crazy shit. And I think it's because of my depression and anxiety it prepared me for, like, being stuck in the house, doing nothing but listening to, to true crime murder porn, because, you know, that's what I call it. I think it was South Park that called it that. I'm not sure. I might have been high. But it's murder porn. It's like, true crime, you know, like, podcasts, TV shows, whatever. Murder porn. Quality scooping. Um... But, like, I was prepared to only be listening to murder porn. I was prepared to be playing The Sims. I was prepared to have... Various, various hour-long concerts starring and featuring me and Big Time Rush as my backup. Don't judge me. I know who I am. I love me. But it's really good that I was prepared for it because it didn't take me out. Like, I'm be real. A lot of people died. Not just because of COVID. Like, a lot of people died because... They died by suicide. Um, and, like, the numbers are only rising every once in a while. Like, they, you'll, you'll see a, a rise and a decline, and then a rise and a decline of it. Like, the rates and numbers going up and down of people dying by suicide, especially in this modern era. And it's wild because I, I always want to be... Those of us who went through a punk pop phase know... Um, How to Save a Life. It was one of those songs that every time you hear it, you just kind of find yourself like, do I need to take a walk? Do I, Who should I be worried about? Should someone be worried about me? What is happening? Next thing you know, you're standing in front of a cathedral, ready to light a candle, but you stop because you know you're not Catholic. So you're like, what am I doing? Am I okay? Like, but... I always want to be one of the people who can, like, say, hey, it does get better. Like, I really fucking do. But, like, as somebody who knows what it's like to attempt, um, there's two things you feel. One, I still feel weird. I feel weird looking back and thinking, yo, I was in that state. What was I doing in that state? How did I let myself get there? And the answer is I still don't fucking know. I still don't have fully any concept of what's going on with it, like how that happened. Um, and thankfully it was during my teen years, okay? Like thankfully I was still young when I was self-harming myself. I mean, not for nothing because like it did get better. And like, again, the other thing I feel our, like after having gone through all that is I feel relief. Because, like, I feel a relief knowing that it got better, that I'm okay, that, like, all that shit that I went through and 
all the shit that my family went through and all the shit that, you know, all the friends that just listened, you know, like they just listened, like it wasn't for nothing, you know, and the friends who pushed me to go out there and be okay and be happy and be better, like, thank you, like, fucking thank you, but, like, as a kid, a 14, 15 year old me, you could not have told me to get better. You can't... Look. I'm gonna be real. No teenager is just gonna hear it gets better and automatically take it straight in. Okay? Like, I know we're, like, way past the time of those ads, but, like, we still live in a world where that's the sentiment of that people use. Of, like, oh, it's gonna get better. It's gonna be amazing when you're an adult. And yada, yada, yada. And life is wonderful. And blah, blah, blah. And all that good gay shit. Let me be real. It did get better for me. I mean, I'm still poor. Oh, God. You're my pal. Mm. When the next sponsor comes in high, thank you. But, I mean... Other than that, I'm great. I'm fine. I'm still surviving. I'm, I have great friends. I have a better relationship with my family. My mother is in my life, despite the fact that she drives me up a wall. She's still my favorite headache. Well, it's a tie between her and one of my nephews. Because, like, the rest of my nephews, every other day, I'm choosing which one of y'all is my favorite. I'm letting y'all all know. Um... But, it's like, it does get better, but, like, we can't tell that to these teens. I mean, we can. We can say whatever we want to them. Do you, boo-boo. Whatever conversation you think is going to work, do it. But, these teens don't just want to hear it's going to get better. And, like, thankfully, like, these young kids, like, they seem to be alright. They seem to be pretty alright, but, like, these niggas know about depression and anxiety, and that's why they're going to be alright, because they know about it. Our generation, like my family, oh, being black, we don't talk about that shit. I'm surprised I was, like, looking back on it, I'm surprised I was in therapy. I'm surprised my family said, yeah, therapy. I'm going to put the kid in therapy. Because, like, being black, coming from the family that I come from, most black kids know and most children of immigrants know that, like, we don't really get to talk about depression and anxiety and mental health and all that shit. Are you depressed? Well, you better depress yourself to washing them damn dishes. Like, you better depress yourself to cleaning them damn gutters. Yeah, I don't do ladders, by the way. Um, but, like, it's, it was such a hard thing to navigate. And I'm so, like, glad that my family did do that, did say, hey, you're gonna go through this shit, and have fun, <laughs> generally, that's pretty much what they said, like, have fun, get better, whatever, and then, like, I think because my entire family saw me going through therapy, going through depression, going through angst, going through anxiety, I have, I was full of rage, I was full of rage for a long time, by the way, like, I was angry, I have kicked holes in walls, like, I was, you know the guy, the boyfriend that they told y'all to avoid because he only drank energy drinks and kicked holes in the walls and cussed you out? That was me from age 16 to about, eh, 20? I'm sorry. Um, I think I've changed as a person. 
I don't believe in. I don't even believe in being angry anymore. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. But like, it's it's like I was so full of all that emotion, and my family watched it. And I think because they watched me go through it, it felt better and easier to talk about. You know what I mean? Like. You know, my family being able to talk about mental health is so great. And it's so beautiful. And I love it. And this is funny because, like, most of my family works in the mental health field. But, like, they still niggas. Like, like, let's be real. Like, my mom and my grandmother for a while was not talking about no mental health with their kids. Maybe their clients, but not their kids. Nah, they wasn't doing that shit. It is wild. Like, you know... They've also told me, like, you can't just tell somebody it's going to get better. You really can't. I remember I remember when I was self-harming, my grandmother just said, I don't want to see it. Like, that was it. You know what I mean? Like, my grandmother didn't know how to talk to me. Um, no one really ever told me it gets better, except for, like, people in school, like, you know, administration. And I would look at them like they were crazy because I was a teenager. The The, other, the only other option was, like, we just didn't talk about it, you know? And I don't want people to have to go through that. So, like, it's important that we talk to our kids about this shit. Like, I don't want kids, but I talk to my nephews and, you know, my nieces and, like, my friends' kids about it. Yeah, like, are you depressed? Are you upset? What's wrong? Are you are you feeling anxious? You feel like you got a lot going on? Like, what's up? Talk to me. Maybe we can get through this. You know, just hearing them out. And then offering them helpful ways of taking care of things. And if they're at a certain age, like, yes, I will talk to their parents about it. Because, like, obviously you need to know what's going on with your kids. But if your kid's, like, 16 and it's not illegal, yeah, you can talk, you, you can talk to Finn. Okay? Nothing illegal. Nothing, nothing, like, physically affecting you, like, physical health. Okay, then we're fine. Nobody pregnant? Great. Alright. If you have sex, tell your parents before me. Thank you. But it is, like, important to have these conversations with kids. I mean, yes, but, like, again, you'll have to think about what we're saying. This episode has been brought to you by me rambling about mental health and conversations with teenagers. Um, I'm going to be real. I don't have the answers. I mean, and I think maybe one of the main reasons I did... Want to like get all of this out? Maybe one of the reasons I did want to have this conversation is because like right now I'm currently going through a situation where two of my friends are very much showing signs of like, you know, depressive states. They're both, one of them is showing suicidal uh, signs. Um, do we still call them signs? I don't know. I don't know. Um, traits. I don't. I don't know words. I'm high. Uh, don't judge me. Um, I'm talking to the audience, don't judge me, because <laughs> I'm alone right now. Um, but, and I'm always, like, wondering, like, how can I help them? What can I do for them? Because, currently, I'm also feel. first of all, by the way, this retrograde, fuck it. This weird-ass, pink-ass moon that's gonna be looking, I can't say the words I want to say, because there are certain audiences that I don't want to hear hearing these words. That pink-ass moon that's gonna be out there, okay? 
Fuck all of it. Fuck all of it. Okay? Because emotions are everywhere for everyone. And and I really want my homies to be okay. That's number one. But another thing is I'm watching like and listening to my friends and they're sad. They're depressed. I don't have answers. Um I don't even know anyone who would have the answers right away for them. Like, you know, yes. Thankfully, one of them is in therapy and going through what they need to go through. You know what I mean? Um, but the other one, no, they're for, their insurance can't afford it. I can't be giving my people money like that to be going to insurance. Bitch, a bitch ain't got insurance money like that. I mean, I got insurance from my, myself, but... Like, you know, the other one doesn't have insurance. So, like, how do we get them to go to therapy if they don't have insurance and they can't afford it out of pocket? It's just things like the, these parts and these components are also a major factor. And then, like, what well, can you talk to your parents? Oh, your parents... Oh, your, your your immigrant parents don't want to talk about your mental health? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Great. Yeah, I got you. Been there, baby. Um, So, it's also like, well, do you have other friends or other close to the family who can help you through this? Because at the same time, like, I can't make this my only burden. Right? I can't be the only person who's burdened by this. And it is... Look. I always feel blessed and lucky and thankful to have my friends and in thankful and blessed and lucky to be able to go through life with them and their ups and downs um and i really want to be there for their downs i do i i i don't enjoy you being down but i enjoy the after effects of you being down i enjoy seeing you be happy i enjoy seeing you grow i enjoy seeing that frown turned upside down you know, and it's beautiful to watch people transform that way. But, like, it also is a burden. Because if I'm depressed and you're depressed, who gonna help who? Because, baby, we both fucked. We both fucked. So who gonna help who? I gotta know. So, yeah, then I'm drained because I'm trying to to, to carry your emotional baggage. And you can't carry my emotional baggage, so I'm more drained than you are because, like, now I got to deal with yours and mine, and you ain't got to deal with mine. And I'm confused. I mean, I know you probably got other shit going on too. I'm, yeah, you do. But like, I can't be the one, the only person carrying what's going on between the two of us. And it does hurt. You know what I mean? It sucks. It sucks. Like, this is the world we live in. This is the world I live in, at least where. I'm thinking, damn, I want to be there for my friends and I want to be there for everyone else, but I also got to be there for me. And that's one of the things where it's like, oh, yay, I'm not as codependent as I used to be because I really don't want you around me right now because I just want to do me. I'm going to be out there partying real fast and I'm going to come back home and I'm going to sleep, you know? Um, but, yeah, please, let me know what's up with you. What's good? What's really good? Like, let's talk. Let's have a conversation Maybe we can figure some shit out, but I can't be the only, I can't be, like, the person who's taking care of everything, right? And it's wild. It is. It's so wild. And, like, I go through it all the time. Other people go through it all the time. Thankfully, throughout all this rambling, I've realized one thing about me. Number one, I'm still high. So that's some good weed. But number two is, as much as... I have changed as a person since I was younger. I'm still slightly the same person. And I realize it. 
every day. Like, I mean, I'm not as, like, angry. And I'm not as, 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 um, rebellious, if that's the right word. Um, if certain people were around, they would be able to judge. This is why this episode is just me. Fuck them people. Love them. Um, but it's also a matter of, you know, I am still, there's still a part of me, of younger me, that lives in there because... Number one, as millennials, we are wonderfully involved and as millennials, we're just like, we kind of live on the word throwback. We really do. We, we are the word throwback half the time. But the other thing is, it's good to, to still feel that, that I'm there. Like, it's good to feel like I haven't lost all of me, that I've still got some of my edge, that I've still got some of my gangster, that I still am that kid who fucking loves plain white teeth and simple plan and randomly jumping up and down when I hear Laffy Taffy. Yeah, it's a whole mood. It really is. It's a great song. But I'm also gangster enough to knuck if I buck. You know what I'm saying? Even if you don't knuck when you buck, then do you know your spiritual? Do you know your Negro spiritual? Rethink what you're doing for your Juneteenth. Um, also, happy Juneteenth, by the way, people. I realize that's going to be the day after this comes out. And I am so happy. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, to, to fight Oasis if I gotta. Nah, I won't be fighting. I can't be fighting. I'd just be talking. I ain't fighting nobody. I'm, I'm probably gonna, like, hurt their feelings, though. Because I'm very rude if you are racist towards me. I'm very rude. And I like hurting people's feelings when they're being racist. It, it's the most beautiful thing in the world to me. It really is. And, like, that's one thing that my therapist has not told me to stop. Like, <laughs> my therapist was like, oh, oh, racist? We ain't fucking with them. I was like, yeah, girl, we ain't fucking with them. So we can either hurt their feelings or we can ignore them, right? And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, I only ignore in certain situations. There we go. Know your situation. This is me talking to myself. This is what my inner monologue is like. Good luck for you people listening to this episode. Um... But I am going to wrap this up, um, and I do feel like, like I was saying, like, the whole point of this, I think, for me, recording this, almost an hour-long episode, oh my god, I'm just me, I am so sorry to you people. Also, no, I'm not, because I set out with this podcast on a mission, and y'all knew by listening to this, you were going to hear my voice, and you knew you were going to hear me talk, and you knew that there was going to be a chance that one day I was going to be rambling by myself, so, like, Y'all set yourselves up for this, so, like, what's really good is whatever. And, like, I'm that bitch. What? No, I'm really not. I'm I'm that bitch. I really am. But, like, I'm not going to be too cocky about it. But, like, I'm that bitch. But the whole point of all this rambling is really more so just saying, like, when it comes down to mental health, like, we have to have a conversation. We had, like, people of color have to have a conversation. Like, and yes, we keep saying it, and there's so many great programs out there. Oh my gosh. Therapy for black girls is a real thing, and I just fucking love it. Like, I might not be a black girl, okay? But as a black NB, I support, I be reading, I be loving. Because, like, they be giving us some real affirmation. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that one, that's one of the reasons, like, also, remember that phase? Certain friends, remember that phase of mine where I would, like, be sending y'all affirmations in the morning? It was really only certain people. 
you know, y'all know who y'all is. Like, that was part of me, like, going through therapy for black girls. Like, it was just like, yo, find you an affirmation for every day. Just find you an affirmation, um, a scripture, a word that you're going to live by for that day. And, like, let that be you. And I was like, yeah, bitch. Okay? Until the lion learned to speak, the tales of hunting will be weak. I mean, K-9 just laid it right there flat, and I lived there by that for, like, most of my life. Okay? Most of my life. Um, so, like, but we do need to have conversations of, of therapy, psychiatry, um, psychology, uh, not just saying, hey, I'm going to go to school or I'm going to work in this field, you know what I mean? And But not be about it at home because that is a real thing. We do still see it in the black community. And, like, not stop telling people that Jesus is the only answer because, like, as someone, like, one of my grandparents is a whole minister. Like, as someone who is a grandchild of someone who's been a minister, that ain't the answer. That ain't the only answer. Like, yes, you can go... To your, to your higher power in times of need, in times of, of joy, you know, in times of uncertainty, all right? Um, if, you're, if your time is going only on the holidays or every week, do you, okay? Um, but, like, that can't be the only answer because, like, the human, your brain is not your spirituality. You, your brain is not your spirituality, right? Your emotions are not your spirituality. So that can't be the only answer. And, like, it's so detrimental to all of us. Anyway, that's a hell of a conversation that we all just had. I wish all of y'all luck for having heard this. But in reality, I am going to sign off. Um, I want to thank you on this journey for today. I also want to thank you guys for, like, Sticking y'all with the podcast. Um, I really do want to thank a little bit of a shout out to the homies over at Alpop, Other People's Opinion Podcast. Um, it's hardcore nerds, okay? Like, hardcore nerd shit, and I fucking love hardcore nerd shit. And um, Hardcore Wally, okay? Carolina, what's good? Um, and a lot of you guys know one of the hosts, which is Alon, who had been in another episode on my podcast. Alon and I are, like, tight, we're homies, lover, death, support all down, all the way down, all right? Um, so, yeah, so, like, uh, I am signing off now. I just want to say thank you to all the friends, all the homies. Um, this is not the last episode. This is just a personal, we'll, we'll call this Finn's couch, okay? We'll call this Finn's couch, all right? We're having a nice little conversation on the couch, all right? Maybe one day I'll read the letters. I don't fucking know. I'm just here, alright, nigga? Like, I'm here because, like, I be taking suggestions for conversations y'all wanted to have, though. And this is, like, one of the conversations y'all wanted to have, though. So, like, whatever. But let me get off of here and give y'all another reason why I'm canceled. Because, like, right now, I'm about to watch The Venture Brothers and smoke another blunt. Because I need to sleep, alright? A bitch has not had more than five hours of sleep in three days. It ain't happening. Alright. So... As I occasionally do, to quote Jerry Springer, the great Jerry Springer, be good to yourselves and each other.